Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Welcome back to The Messy Truth. As you guys know, I've been chatting to some image makers who've been navigating the industry for a couple of decades, all on this quest to think about longevity in photography. It's been really fascinating to hear about their personal evolution, what they've had to overcome and the moments of discovery along the way. So today I'm chatting to Christopher Anderson. Christopher has had a fascinating journey through the industry. He's created world-renowned photojournalism, some of the most disarming magazine covers of the last two decades, as well as a series of fascinating photo books about a range of subjects from his children to New York City cops in the wake of 9-11. What I really love about his work is there's so much more than describing a scene. It's really about infusing what he felt and how he felt to be there into his frame. So I'm really excited to talk to him about his evolution, his curiosity and his constant search for meaning. I didn't have aspirations to be a photographer. I didn't. I, I didn't know that there was a profession called photographer. Really, I mean, I had no uh, education as a journalist. And the next thing I knew, there I was uh, learning the craft of photography as a staff photographer for a newspaper, um, a daily news, small town daily newspaper, and um, and that was my photographic education. Without thinking, oh, I'm going to go be a newspaper photographer. There was was no uh, long term vision, ambitious plan of I'm gonna I, then I'm gonna go do this and then I'm gonna become this and then I'm gonna. I found myself kind of uh, in in various situations that led to me finding my way into a war, and, and that's kind of by a, a lot by circumstance and by accident and because I kind of didn't know better at the time but there was you know this this thing of Bosnia the, the war in Bosnia going on at the time and another long boring story uh, my girlfriend at the time was from the former Yugoslavia and I went to visit her family and the next thing I knew I had hitchhiked into into Bosnia at the time and and that sort of started a period of of than working in, in conflict zones without ever thinking, uh, I'm going to go and be a, a 
a war photographer or whatever you want to call him. I hate mm. that. I hate that term, but, um, but that's kind of, I woke up one day and that's what I was doing. And then I was <laughs> I then I also shaped by events that were happening. I mean, I'm, I was then working as a magazine photographer when, when September 11th happened in 2001. And it was, it was just, it just seemed natural like that I would go and cover the events that followed that. Um, not because I was pursuing a career as a war photographer, but because I was on planet Earth at that time. And it seemed like the most obvious thing to want as somebody making pictures of their time on this planet to go and witness that. So I was pushed as much by curiosity and by just sense of this is what you do as much as anything. It feels like you've been very open throughout your whole career and kind of, I guess, followed your intuition in terms of what you should shoot and when you should shoot it, which is kind of fascinating because obviously you've, your career has moved through so many different parts of the industry and you've done so many different things and worked in so many different ways. I'm curious, is that still your way of working now or as someone who's very much established in the field, you know, is your life planned kind of for the next five years in terms of books and shows and commitments or do you, do you try and protect some of that openness? No, I, I, I mean, it's the, the being open and, and is kind of the only way I know how to work. I, I still don't have a plan. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I go from, I, I've, I've, I don't know. I've, I come to projects very in a very organic way and it's my curiosity and my interest at the time and sort of one thing leads to another and and I know from I, I'm very aware that from a distance and I've done other interviews before and I've talked about this in other ways and other platforms where you know I, I'm 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 aware of the fact that from the outside or from a distance it looks like that I used to be one kind of photographer and that I changed and became a different kind of photographer because what I do now is so different from what I did in in my earlier days. But to me, living that experience day by day and and this progression is is very has been very gradual and very um, and to me quite obvious and organic. And I, I see myself. I don't photograph the same situations. And I've my my technical skills, or you know, the way I see things has become refined and you know has evolved or whatever since you know twenty years ago. But I don't see it as being a a different thing in the in the fundamental foundation of what it is I'm looking for in in a, in a photograph, and that's something that I that that I respond to, that I connect with, and this sense of emotional connection in something with the image. And that stays, that has stayed the same. So to me, when I look at pictures from years ago, I, yeah, I can see that I was still working through, you know, first tried to be that kind of photographer and then, and then this kind of photographer, and I hadn't figured it out, figured out certain things now, or uh, figured out certain things at the time that I, that I, 
uh, understand now, but I still see the same photographer when I when I look at it, be it through the portraiture or the war photography or the even the, the commercial work or my personal family work. Um, it's uh, I'd like I'd like to think that when you look at when one looks at those pictures, that they still see my presence in the in the images. Photography is so much about seeing, but it feels like your presence in pictures is really about feeling more than seeing. And I wondered when that kind of ethos came about for you. Was there a particular project that was transformational in you finding that voice and you finding that way to kind of have your signature on your work? I think that there was a there was a very particular moment when that that ethos was crystallized in my mind and and that was when i uh photographed um a story for the new york times magazine um about haitian immigrants trying to to sail to america um in a small wooden boat which i which i boarded and um and we sank and i've told this story many times and it it always sounds uh, melodramatic or, or ridiculous when I tell it, but um, uh, you know, there, I, I boarded this boat. There were forty-two Haitian, other Haitian immigrants on this boat, and myself and a writer. And we sailed for several days, and and then began sinking in the Caribbean. And I made photographs of this during the moments that we were saying goodbye to each other, because we assumed that that was the end, the end of this. And we assumed that we would be dead in a matter of hours. And the, the, the short version of the story, we, we were, we were saved by a, the, the, the American coast guard stumbled upon us and we were, we were fortunately saved. And, during the next weeks or whoever knows months and even years later, I, I thought about, I thought about that moment of, of photographing at the, in fact, the, the main character in the picture, um, David, um, said to me at the time, like, Chris, you better start making pictures. You better, you better start taking pictures because we're going to be dead soon. And many wasn't, joking. He wasn't saying it in a joking way. It was a very matter of fact, and it was this slow, slow thing. And, and, um, later on thinking about that moment and, and why take pictures of why make photographs that I assumed that no one would see at the moment that I was making them. And I realized then that the, the act of photography had as much to do with, with explaining something to myself as, as, as explaining something thing to someone else explaining something to the world and and just the act of photographing itself was very much was the kind of the important part to me and it was this idea of having something um something about that experience infused in the image not to describe what happened but to to make a photograph um uh that communicated something about what that experience felt like or what it feels like to be there at that moment to to, to photograph my experience like how, how do you communicate this idea of of um 
of what it is like to be at there at that moment. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? It's, there's an energy field to, I think, a lot of great photography, but there's a real energy field in your work, which I think is what makes it kind of, it makes the image kind of expand beyond the page. And so, yeah, it's, it's just really fascinating to me how you've done that and sort of managed to do it, not just in a situation like that, which obviously has its own, you know, unimaginable tension and energy, but also in kind of intimate pictures with your family and uh, you know, the documentation and, and the portrait you've done around New York. It's just, it's, yeah, it's just really well, fascinating. Well, I mean, thank you. Um, and I, th- I mean, that's would be the thing that I hope someone would notice in, in my pictures is not, not the pretty colors or light, but, but that, that essential energy and or electricity or whatever it is. And because that's what I'm looking for. And when I'm editing the images, that's, that's what I'm looking even from and you know like a situation that I just described the the, the Haiti boat where it's all the, the situation is infused with a certain drama so so the images are it's sort of easier to to find that drama in in, in the pictures but I'm still looking for that that uh, emotional energy whatever it is be it a portrait a picture of my family a a, a, a fashion picture whatever I'm still I'm still wanting the thing that comes through is that that little electrical emotional energy of of that particular moment and it's I always go into making pictures with sort of the sense of how, how do I get to that thing how do I make that thing show up in the picture where is that where is that thing and certainly what I'm looking for when I'm editing the pictures. And, and it's interesting, the last couple of days in confinement, I've been going back through and looking through uh, looking through my archives and, and, you know, even like looking at my fa- at family pictures and, and even some pictures in the last couple of days that, that were, went into uh, my book, Son. And kind of looking like, wow, wow, how did I, why did I edit that one out? And why did I not put that one in? And there's some, there's some, you know, pictures that could have been considered. And, and I see, you know, there's perfectly pretty, you know, fine pictures that, that didn't make it in because they somehow didn't have that thing, um, uh, or whatever, you know, I'm, I'm just very aware of this right now as I look through, um, you know, other images and, and as I'm editing a book right now, a, another book about my family now, um, and trying to make sure that what I, the, the, the pictures that I'm, that are, rise to the surface are the ones that have that, that thing that, that sticks in your mind, that things, that thing you, you know, in, in great photographs that, you want to the, the the photographs of that that I like to look at um, that make you want to keep coming back to them and looking at them um, that somehow capture something that you can't describe. You could you could write a a thesis about the light and the composition or whatever, but that's the, that's not the thing that brings you back to that image. There's something else that brings you back to that image. It makes you want to look at it. That makes you curious about it. That make that makes you feel something, and it's that sort of punch in the gut for me. That is that that is the the whole reason. That's the 
that's the, everything that I'm looking for. All of the rest of it, the color, the composition, the light, that's, that's just the decoration. It's that other thing that I want to have. And just a few days ago, I think after we talked a couple days ago, I, I made a post on my Instagram, Instagram about a, a Dido Moriyama photograph, which, um, if those of you may know it, the, that picture, that scruffy dog on, on the street of his, um, which I talk about it being one of the most, if I could pick out one single image that has influenced me more than any other image, that's the one that keeps coming to my mind. Not that Daido Moriyama's photography in general is, is what has influenced me more than anything. And, and that's not even necessarily my favorite photograph, but it is the photograph that when I first saw it, I was struck by like, ah, ah, I, the, 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 the sense of freedom that it, that looking at that photograph gave to me, um, sort of releasing me from the responsibility of having to make sure something is composed correctly or, or that it tells a story or that it means anything. Um, but somehow it stops you in your tracks and makes you feel something when you look at the image. It was a, it was a revelation to me. And it was one of those moments along with the Haiti boat story that, that for me sort of crystallized that idea of wanting the photograph, always wanting the photograph to be infused with something, um, emotional and, and that the other stuff was just a, a party trick. So I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because it, I think young photographers now work so much on the aesthetic and there's so many tribes of different aesthetics now in photography in sort of kind of in the, yeah, in the next generation. They kind of operate in tribes as groups of them exploring kind of one thing and other groups exploring the other. I think it's really fascinating to hear from somebody who has more experience to kind of really reflect back and think, you know what, the, the dressing is important, but it's not the whole story. You know, I really hope people take that to heart. I was curious because you started talking a little bit then about the book you're currently editing, which is kind of the spiritual sequel to Son about your daughter. And I wondered if you could talk a little bit about that work and, and how that process has been, because you're kind of right in the middle of the edit of it now, right? Uh, completely in the thick of the editing right now. I mean, in the last days it's been, I've had it laid out and laying out on my floor, uh, <clears throat> small printouts of it and reshuffling the sequencing and, um, you know, trying, trying to make sense of, uh, of all these pictures. And uh, we're already discussing uh, how well, the cover is going to be and the, the size of the book and all, all these kind of what kind of paper and da da da. So yeah, I'm I'm very much in the middle of that process, which I find just one of my favorite parts of the whole of the whole process. I don't want to make light of the confinement, but and what's going on in the world, but but for me, right at this moment, is it's been um, quite necessary. Uh, to have time to just fully be free of other deadlines and look at this work in a way that I don't often get to when I'm, when I'm editing. Um, but yeah, it's a continuation of, of my family work, which began in 2008 when my, when my son was born and, and a book that I did, um, at the time, <clears throat> which was published in 2012. 
about my son, you know, having a child and, and, um, for the first time photographing my own personal experience of my immediate family and those right around me. And when I began the sun work, it was, you know, uh, I never planned to publish that work. And I never even thought of the pictures as being part of my photography <clears throat> with a capital P. <clears throat> Excuse me. It, it was more, you know, I'm a, a new father making pictures of, of their new child and trying to stop time and, and, you know, okay, so I'm happen to be a professional photographer while doing it. So maybe, you know, maybe it's technically a little bit more advanced than, than the average person's might be whatever, but it, it was still just in a very naive and organic way photographing my family. And, and it wasn't until a couple of years into it that I looked at it and like, Oh, this, this is my work. And, um, you know, everything that I've been photographing up to that point was to prepare me to make those pictures at that time. And so now it's that work has continued and sort of expanding concentric circles. Now I've had a daughter also, but I kind of always thought that this, um, that this book would not happen until much later, that I would be much later in life, you know, when everybody's grown up and looks much older and everything and, and do the book then. But um, I'm publishing this book with Stanley Barker and, and we had been talking about uh, a project to do this year. And, and there were other pictures, other books that I was trying to shoehorn into a project to get done this year and none of them were really ready or right. And, and they kind of involved, they overlapped some of this work about my daughter and it kind of struck me like, no, this is the book that I, that is here right now. And oddly enough, my, my daughter has been like jealous that she doesn't have her own book and, <laughs> and has been, you know, kind of like, why, why don't I get a book kind of thing? And um, so after long talks with my, with my family and, and, and also with, um, with this folks at Stanley Barker and being like, you know, I think this is the book that is presenting itself. And so I started then looking through it in a, in a very, you know, concerted way. And, and, um, and again, it's, it's one of these things that's, um, I I wanted the book to, um, you know, she has a very peculiar sense of character. I wanted this sense of care, not just to be pretty pictures of my kids, but this sense of an individual's character and sort of their, it, you can see a progression of her life, even though she's still quite young. So it's a very short progression, but you see her personality developing and coming through and you see her interacting with me uh, and you feel my presence in the book and sort of this game, sort of this, this relationship between the two of us that I hope comes through in these pictures. Um, she's so very aware of the camera in many ways. And there are these moments where I pull up the camera and she, she poses in a way that I'm not sure if she's sort of taking the piss. Um, <laughs> 
and that's the expression you guys use. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I'm not. I'm not sure if she's you know sort of sort of making fun of me. Like, haha, this is this is the what you're supposed to to do to you know. This is this is the kind of the expression I need to give to make a good photograph. Or if she's you know if it's really third degree like that, or if it's um, uh, you know she that's her coming through this this thing that happens you're not really sure where that line is and i'm still not sure um where that line between performance and her perf actually performing or is it her doing it because she thinks it's what i want her to you know what i mean um mm -hmm. and uh um and that's kind of a funny intriguing game that i think comes through in in the photographs because she she loves to perform, um, and uh, and has this very strong character. Uh, anyways, you'll you'll see it when the book comes out. It's still not quite. I haven't quite um, formed the articul and articulated all the the way to speak about it yet. Because I'm still trying to find my way visually around how to express that thing that I kind of see in the images. Now I've really kind of rambled on for a bit. No, you haven't. That was really brilliant. That's so fascinating. I really can't wait to see the book. It sounds it sounds great. And in some ways, kind of how you described, you know, that balance between her performance and, you know, what's really her as a performative character and what's performing for the camera is kind of like that. It's kind of the microcosm of what portraiture is, right? Those moments trying to find, yeah, the difference between... More, now more than ever, like how the camera, the presence of the camera changes people's behavior and what is true and what is performance. Yeah, it's really interesting. I can't wait to see it. I was interested to ask you, because obviously you've shot internationally, domestically, in conflict, in community. And as we've been speaking about, you've shot a lot of your own family. And I wonder how you navigate the privileges of holding the camera and the inherent power dynamics in portraiture. Wow, I mean, <clears throat> it's a that's a it's a really broad. It's it's hard. It's a little bit like answering uh, how do you deal with the power dynamics evolved whenever you meet someone. <laughs> yeah, because that's what it's, uh, you know. Every encounter you have, there the the power dynamics uh, shift and change depending on who you're dealing with. I mean, and and also it's it's it changes. It's changed a lot between, you know, I've, I've photographed a lot of politicians and, and, you know, presidents and celebrities and that kind of thing. And so obviously the, the power dynamics are quite different from somebody like uh, between somebody like Barack Obama to um, photographing, you know, uh, an, an immigrant, a migrant in, in Haiti or in Afghanistan or or a, a, a victim of war or whatever that I might have photographed, you know, 20 years ago. I, I mean, I, I, I'd like to think that I go into every situation um, to photograph someone with uh, the sense of um, viewing that person with dignity is, is really important. I don't, I'm not a photographer who like tries to steal pictures in that sense. It, I don't, uh, um, but I want to go in and I'm very conscious of the idea of trying to photograph 
that thing that happens between myself and the subject during that session, if that's what you want to call it. Sometimes it's an actual session. Sometimes it's just an encounter. And, um, and that's the territory that I'm looking to explore. And by nature, that encounter or that session or that meeting, um, that interaction with the, 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 with the subject, um, the power dynamics change, but I want it to be um, as sort of open and honest as I possibly can, can make it. Um, I'm not sure how, how to describe what that means, but I, I, um, every encounter is different, obviously. Mm -hmm. And when I'm photographing, let's say, uh, a politician or somebody who was, has the, the, the upper hand and the power dynamics, so we say, um, of that encounter, maybe there's more of a chess match that happens with me trying to, uh, get to get past the, the image they want me to see and to get to something that expresses something about that, that encounter. Um, but I also want, you know, I, I go into it trying to relate to people, whether they're a famous person or, or, uh, a normal person in the same way of just re relating to them in a sense of sincerity and um, me being sincere in, in my approach to them. Um, and I think, I think people respond to that um, no matter who they are. You know, I think of Donald Trump. I, I went to photograph Donald Trump and it was his first, his first portrait sitting for a magazine since he became president in the Oval Office. Now, here's somebody who is very aware of their, their image. There's an image they want you to make. And, they, and actually, in the end, he wants you to make that, that photograph that makes him look a little bit wacky and with the hair and the, and the, the orange skin. That's, that's all by design. It's, it's, it's just that. It's theater. And I, in looking at the pictures of him... It, He's often photographed in a way to accentuate that because that's what he wants you to see. So I, I went into that portrait session really conscious of how do I get past that? One of the things that I knew I wanted to do was to photograph in black and white, even though normally I photograph in color. But that helped eliminate the idea of the orange skin and the, and the, the you know, orange hair or whatever. Um, eliminate that information. I knew I wanted to be close. I knew I wanted to not have that sort of direct on flash thing that he's often, as he's often photographed and, you know, and find a way to get to something that really feels like, okay, you're, I'm not, sh I'm not showing you the caricature of a monster. I'm showing you what it really feels like to stand here in the presence of this person. That, that was, that was my goal. I don't know if I succeeded or not, but that's what the way I went into that session. Um, which is very much the same way that I went in to, to photograph Barack Obama um, with this idea of, you know, I looked through, I, I looked through hundreds of pictures and portraits of him before I w went to photograph him because I wanted 
and I knew that what I was, what I didn't feel like I saw was that I saw him look very presidential. I saw him look handsome. I saw him look charismatic and charming and all those things that he, that he is. But I wanted that sense of intimacy and proximity um, that you don't often see. And so I went into the portrait session uh, sort of with a plan of how to get to that and to constantly remind myself as I'm photographing, you know, don't, don't go for that thing you've already seen. We, you know, stay on track, stay on track. Um, and in a less calculated way, it's the same way I look at my family. When I look at my, when I photograph my wife or my son or my daughter, I'm, I'm, I really am looking for those things that, that those moments that sort of uh, feel authentic in that sense to me. Um, I, I'm, I could go on, I, all of a sudden many instances start coming to mind. I don't want to like, <laughs> drive everybody nuts with different instances, but, um, uh, I think about like, um, photographing Chuck, the artist Chuck Close. And that to me was, a was a challenge in, in many ways because, this is someone who's uh, works with photographic medium, which is always a little bit scary to photograph people who, who know photography um, and whose whole career is been about his own image. And now you're going to go make an image of this person who's makes art about their own image. And um, you look at the way he's photographed a lot and um He's photographed in a lot of often in a way that mimics his own work, which is it's beautiful and it uh, makes sense. Uh, but sort of that straight on him, straight into the camera kind of thing. So I knew going into photographing him that I wanted to find a way around not having that straight on Chuck Close, a photograph that looks like a Chuck Close, Chuck Close photograph, and um, and that also went beyond just the round glasses and the head and the wheelchair, you know, all, all the visual things, but, but felt like being in his presence. And, um, in the end, the picture that I made w had something to do with about, uh, really about the proximity of being there. And you see the texture of the skin, which kind of, uh, to me said something about experience and, and knowledge is, uh, and, and intimacy. You're listening to The Messy Truth, conversations on photography. I'm curious, you're very reflective about your work and very considered in your approach. And it's interesting to hear about part of your process in terms of researching how people have shot before so you can ensure you're, you're moving in a different pathway. Um, I'm wondering when you first started being critical of your practice and in a meaningful way? Well, let me address the first part of that. I mean, when I say that I, you know, do the research to see how someone's been photographed before, particularly if it's someone famous, a celebrity or something like that, it's not so much to be uh, original for originality's sake, but it's because I really want to, um, I, I kind of feel like there's, it's only worthwhile if I can, if I can bring uh, a new perspective to something um, or if I can see it in a way that, that is 
revelatory in some way. Um, if that makes sense. Um, it's not just because, Ooh, I want to, I want to do that, do it in a way that hasn't been done before. It's just, I, I really feel a responsibility, um, to, to try and, and reveal something about this, about the subject in, in a photograph, uh, rather than just find a new, a, you know, a, a cool way to light them. Um, so that's, that's sort of a goal. I described before earlier in the interview, um, about coming to photography by sort of by accident without a plan, without an ambition of this is what, this is the kind of photographer I'm going to be. And this is the kind of work that I'm going to do. I, I got, I got caught up in and, you know, fell backwards into a profession, which then I got caught up in like, Oh, I'm, I'm doing this particular thing as a profession. And I, you know, would work very hard at whatever it was I was doing and that would lead to something else. And then I was doing that other thing. And, um, uh, and I would work very hard at doing that, but with still without a plan. And it kind of, I went through sort of several iterations, many years working like that, you know, being young and just kind of, Oh, this, this opportunity has presented itself to me right now. And, and that seems like fun or that's, that's interesting to me. And, and you pursue that. And it wasn't even to, and then, you know, then came the, you know, the years of doing the conflict work and, and at some point in there was when, um, I kind of, I began in a serious way thinking about like, well, you know, what really basic, basic questions, like what is a photograph? Um, why, why do I do it that way? Um, how do I want to do it? Why do, why do I choose to photograph and what is it that I want to photograph? And, you know, really what seems like very basic questions, especially as deep into a professional career as I was at that, at that time, that must've been, you know, even around the, the early aughts somewhere around in there. And I think it wasn't even, you know, probably around 2000, around 2007, I was already, you know, I was working as a, as a journalist still, um, for, you know, that you could apply the term photojournalist to me. That's what I did. I worked for magazines and they sent me someplace to tell, to, to photograph, uh, a, a story, quote unquote. And, um, and I was even working on my book about Venezuela called Capitolio, which I began going there as in the capacity of being a photojournalist. And it was working there, realizing, sort of becoming disillusioned with the idea of journalism and understanding that, that the pictures I was making really were not serving their purpose of explaining anything because I, I didn't understand what I was looking at. And um, the resulting book that I did called Capitolio was very much sort of, um, I think, of uh, uh, a, thesis, a thesis of mine of, of trying to make sense of the ideas of object, objectivity and subjectivity and 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 that like this looks like journalism but it's not and 
and realizing that I was, I don't think I could any longer call myself a photojournalist. And it was about that time at the end of that project when my son was born and I began photographing my family. And it was that that was when I really started kind of um, looking at my work. It was during that period of 2008 to 2012 ish when I started looking at my work and really um, questioning and, and uh, why I why I do what I do, what it is I wanted to do with photographs and um, and making more conscious choices about not about how I wanted to photograph, but how I didn't want to photograph and sort of imposing more, more parameters on myself for things that I wouldn't do and ways that I wouldn't do it. I hope that answers your question. Yes. That's fascinating. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, social media because obviously it's played such a significant role in shifting the industry in the last few years. And, and naturally that's affected those in the next generation who are kind of natives to that media. And they've really seen a huge benefit from the presence of social media. And I'm curious as somebody who's established already in the industry, how has social media and Instagram affected you? And do you kind of feel the pressure to perform and share your work? Well, when I, when I first, I was, I was a little bit of a latecomer to, to Instagram. And, but when I started using it, um, I had a sense of, I had sort of a, um, uh, creative, uh, wind in my sails that thanks to, thanks to Instagram, uh, because I was, I felt a certain freedom in it at the beginning that I didn't feel in my normal work because I would allow myself to post pictures therefore publish pictures that I wouldn't, that I wouldn't feel free to show in my other, in my normal work, my day job, so to speak. Um, I felt less of a, less of a need for things to be uh, tightly edited and curated. And I could post sort of my musings. And it, to me, it was like this visual diary that I was sharing publicly, publicly. And I found it uh, exhilarating in many ways. And, um, and I, I even think that that helped shape, uh, uh, sh- helped shape a creative moment for me in many ways. Um, so I, at the, in the beginning, I felt on, only, I saw it only in a positive way. It was really, uh, the, the, the most enjoyable creative outlet for me at the time as the thing has grown and changed just like everyone else. Yes. I, I find, yeah, I find a pressure to, um, a pressure to, to feed the beast, so to speak. Um, <laughs> and I don't feel the enjoyment that I had at the beginning as, as much, but it's, I, I've sort of, um, I've try I try and I have to be much more conscious about it how I do it these days, but I really try to make sure that I'm still keeping my, how do you, how do you want to, how do we refer to it? Our Instagram practice, <laughs> whatever. Um, uh, <laughs> maybe, I, try, I, try maybe. To, 
I try to keep it infused with that still that same sense of naivety and and the sense of me telling a story um, rather than it just putting my portfolio in there. Uh, um, and I really try to view it like how how do I look at other Instagram feeds and and I don't really like to look at feeds that are just a portfolio, but I I like understanding the the voice. I mean, I, that's what I think about it. I think a lot about voice, uh, and I like I like hearing the voice coming through on this storyteller. To me, that in the end, that's what it when when it's at its best is when it's a story, sort of a storytelling platform, where you hear the voice of the author um, sharing something with you that's completely unique to them. Not just look at the cool pictures that I made, but um, uh, you know, here's here's something that happened to me today. Here's what I noticed today. Oh, this I, as a I'm a photographer and I published this today. This just came out. I'd like to share that with you. Do so. This, there is this mix of, you know, the professional part, but also and, and particularly in my case with because part of my work is this weird space between personal and professional. Um, sharing that and and then sharing the 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 meaningless nothings that I encounter to you know today or whatever and somehow main for me really trying to maintain a, a voice on there rather than it just being greatest hits or portfolio uh, otherwise it really becomes just another job and um and it loses it loses it, its interest i find myself looking at it much less than i did before which is sad because in many ways it's the way I keep up with, like everyone does, the way I keep up with friends and family. It's like everything. There, there are there are benefits. Certainly, it's a benefit. It is a professional benefit because it's, you know, um, I've uh, I know that I've had jobs that have come to me because of something that was on my feed, or because of a post, or because someone follows me, whatever. You know, it's I, I can't deny that, and unfortunately, that's that's the reality of it. But for me personally, using it. If I don't keep some sense of like fun or freedom with it, then then I'll, I'll throw it away. It must be good in terms of you. You know, I think it would be fair to say that you're part of what you do is that you're a book photographer. You've made many books. You're working on a new book now. And in the same way that a younger generation benefit from Instagram providing this dedicated audience, you know, it's a group of people who are literally saying, I want to see your stuff. I want to see how you think. That must be quite good for you in terms of promoting the book and getting people excited about it because you can kind of take people on a journey of your creative process through that kind of as you've been doing kind of sharing little snippets of the editing process yeah i mean in the most crass terms it's uh, it, it's a it's a um a useful promotional tool right in 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 the most crass way to put it but i mean i think of it more in in the sense of it being um being sort of it's just it's part of the 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 platform to follow the story. If, if the book that I put out, if this book in the end is a, is a story that I'm telling you that I'm sharing with you, um, then the Instagram feed in that sense becomes part of that journey and part of that story. Um, that I'd like to think that people find that interesting to, to get to follow along the steps of that. They see me editing it. They see me working out, working through the, is this, is, was this a good picture? Or was this not a good picture? I'm not sure. 
Um, and, and I do, I actually, I mean, I, I, I admit to it that I use it sometimes in that way of sort of testing out what works and doesn't work. Um, I find it, I find it fascinating what that, you know, what people respond to and what they don't, not, not just because it feels good to get, uh, likes, but because it helps me understand what images cut through the noise. And that's another sort of obsession I have, especially in, in today's world where we're just inundated with, with images, really good ones too. Um, how do you make an image that, that cuts through all that noise? Um, um, and that's kind of the, you know, the Holy grail that you, you, you're searching for constantly. And in Instagram helps me in some ways kind of take a, take a measure of, of what, what things work and what things don't. Yeah. It's fascinating. I've talked to Jack Davison about that a lot because he, he kind of uses it as a sort of meant all the things that we all use it for, but he uses it for the same reason in some ways to, to, to try and, um, you know, to just test, test the audience and see what pictures land and what resonates with people. And he said, he's constantly surprised at the images that resonate compared to, you know, ones he thought might be more popular. And it, it is really interesting as a tool in that way because it's it's breaking down the barriers which were present kind of when you started out and enabling you to have that direct interaction with the audience uh, obviously right now it's kind of been morphed and kind of shaped by the algorithm so it's not completely pure but you know there is a direct connection there that that wasn't before it was very kind of long arm in terms of the people that saw your pictures and interacted with your pictures when they were, when they're in magazines or when they're in shows. Whereas you've got this direct dialogue and people, you know, people can comment and, and discuss the work or message you about it. And I think that's quite powerful. Exactly. That, that is, it is powerful. Uh, and it's, it's, it's also kind of beautiful to see that and to have that, that connection to an audience that, that, um, that was so so far removed from you before, you know, I, st I started out in, in, the, in the world where it was the only way you made the name or, or the only way you, you connected with an audience was via magazines. And that magazine audience was so disparate because it might be your picture might be in a time magazine this week and in a, you know, Vogue magazine and the next week, you know what I mean? And, the, and those audience don't necessarily, audiences don't, don't overlap. And, and so the process was much slower and you had no sense of feedback other than getting hired again. So yeah, that, that, that part of it is, in, is incredibly useful. I would be terrified. I also see the, it's being, becoming a little bit saturated where, uh, you know, I don't know if the engagements is the same as it was before. I could imagine being a young photographer starting out and being very frustrated about, okay, uh, th this only works if I build an audience and how do I build an audience? And, you know what I mean? When, when the engagement's not going up anymore yeah. the way it was and, and, and yeah, that, that would be daunting to me. And I, I hope that I, I hope that there's the next wave so that, that, um, you know, young photographers are not frustrated by that. Um, but, but just, you know, it starts small in, in every way. I, I, there's, there's the negative side for me also that things happen so quickly you know, I, I long for the slow photography thing where where influences are digested and then 
sort of regurgitated or you know re repackaged and come out in a way that then that is slowly digested and and I I know I sound like the old curmudgeon here going back in the day but Not um, there was something beautiful about the idea of you know I grew up in this place Abilene Texas pre internet and it felt very culturally cut off from everything. You know, we, we were far away from New York city and London and Paris or whatever. And a small Texas town uh, where the only way you kind of found out about anything was going to my local library or the school library. And maybe they had a copy of a, of a book like uh, you know, a Richard Avedon book or something like that. And you would pull this thing off the shelf kind of by accident and look at it and, you would digest that visual imagery in a slow way and sure that would have an influence on you and you would go out and try to copy that or, or reformulate it or whatever. And then you might find another book by, you know, whatever, another photographer. And, and that process would happen slowly. And you got to think what happened before was that photographer had worked for 10 years doing that body of work, you know, the, gypsies joseph Kadelka's gypsies you you you've, whatever 10 years of work and then a couple years of before it's published and then it makes its way to a library in abilene texas and then i see that and then i go and work on however many years on my pictures that then maybe get published and you know that that cycle of influences and styles and 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 waves of uh, trends or whatever visual trends has been compressed now into literally an hourly cycle. Mm-hmm. And you have photographers seeing, you know, whatever the new, the latest visual trend. And the next day they're posting pictures that sort of look like what they just saw the day before. And then another young photographer is seeing that. And, you know, I, I see you know, pictures of people copying so-and-so that looks like, looks <laughs> like a, a, a Jürgen Teller copy of Jürgen Teller copying a William Eggleston of, you know, and all this happens in a, within a one week period. Uh-huh. Um, whatever. I'm not, not putting down any of those influences or any of the, and you, you still may have some wonderful photography produced out of that, but sort of the, 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 the beauty of experiencing those things and experimenting and trying in your own way and finding your voice in a more um, organic way has been, has happened so fast that I, I, it's, again, I sound like the, an old timer complaining about the way that the things used to be, but, but I do, I do miss that. I did, I miss that sense of slow photography. Um, I wholeheartedly agree with you wholeheartedly I think you know some of these tools are great but more and more I think um you know I went for a long period thinking these tools enable the power to be back in the hands of the photographer it's removing the gatekeepers that's that's interesting and that's democratic and you know there's throughout history there's a lot of artists and creatives that have been excluded for many different reasons and so that democratic the democratic nature of how, uh, of the purity of how it began social media is immensely powerful and has had radical impacts on our industry in really exciting ways but the process of making work and disseminating that work on the right platforms quote unquote you know the platforms people are looking at can all happen within a month and that's there's something really 
unnerving about that because in all of that you're ticking all these boxes of what a successful photographer is you're being seen in the right places you're making the work of the moment but you're losing the meaning you're losing the connection and the process and 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 all those things which I don't think are old-fashioned at all but are at the heart of what it means to make a powerful image and, and the responsibilities of what it means to hold that camera because I think photographers now forget that they forget what a massive privilege it is to hold that camera and take that moment and 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 you know potentially that picture lives lives on forever or describes something in our society that will you know have a long-term impact you know in in the best situations I'm rambling now but I think um you know I think that it's kind of depressing that that we we move so quickly and I think it's going to be the downfall of many photographers who could could potentially have very long and interesting careers but when when the work in the system in a way that's kind of disingenuous I think it yeah I just think it's I think it's really unhealthy and it's not you know it's not necessarily their fault it's it's the industry perpetuating this is what success means and everybody having the tools now to kind of make that a reality rather than looking inward and rather than taking their time and as you said kind of digesting things and digesting their own experiences digesting their influences and spending time kind of unraveling all of that in a meaningful way I think the the expediated nature that we're working in is not it's just not conducive to to great work I think we're going to see a lot of work that's been made in the last decade or two kind of become irrelevant yeah I don't know yeah the, I mean um I I I absolutely agree, and I <clears throat> what I what I see also being uh, how it negatively impacting photographers is the sense of building a body of work of something, which is what I find interesting more than just single images. Um, there are so many talented photographers out there, and there's so much beautiful work out there. And photography has kind of become easy in many ways, technically, etc. Mm -hmm. um, that that I'm that I'm I'm less and less impressed by by any single image because we we've seen a lot of them before. Yeah. Um, but what I'm interested in is when you see a body of work, you see the voice of a photographer come through. You see what they have to say about their world and, and how they think. And that to me is like watching, seeing someone else's mind work in a visual, in, in, through a visual medium is what is the thing that I find interesting about photography in the end. And f finding the way to like make sure to stay on track to building a body of work rather than the, the disposable quality of, 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 of the next cool image that gets the like is it uh, that must be the hard part to in this in this uh digital age in this social media age um where the the you know the it's not as conducive to taking the time and disappearing you know i bring up joseph kadelka again you know disappearing for 10 years to make a body of work and coming back and be like throwing that on the table and it's like boom that thing is that's what that's what stands the test of time mm. um and and maybe that's not interesting for someone else i don't know but that for me is interesting is is trying to put something down that that will uh, that will last i guess
Yeah, you've talked a lot about the longevity of pitches and kind of how you think about um, you think beyond the moment that you're shooting them and how and if they will age. And I think that's really powerful advice for for all photographers, all creatives. I think that's a really powerful thing to kind of just meditate on a little bit and just reflect on now and again. I love I love that idea. I mean, I, that's why I like going back through my archives <clears throat> from time to time because I there are pictures that I have that I think okay, this is not a good picture now. In twenty years, this is going to be a good picture, um, <laughs> just because of how how something ages. And I I like watching I like watching that process. Um, yeah. To finish up, I wanted to ask you another huge epic question, but to you. What matters more, the experience of taking the photograph or the final picture? Oh, since we chatted about this last time, I don't think I've had any more clarity. Um, what makes me laugh is everyone who I've asked this to has done the exact same groan straight after the question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I really don't think I can separate the two. Uh, I mean, the reason I started being a photographer. And most of my motivation, motivating factors for be, choosing the big, getting into this profession and doing the things that I've done in this profession have been about the experience. And as we've talked about in this discussion, the thing that matters to me in the picture is is the the <laughs> is being able to see that experience in in the photograph so i guess i would have to say the experience um uh but then there's also something about the you know for me it doesn't it doesn't become a photograph really until i'm holding it in my hand in, in print um but um at the same time then i i don't i don't i don't put my uh, pictures up, my own pictures up on on my walls. I I, I usually when I once I've done a book, I, I look at it the day I get it off press, and I never look at it again. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I'm, 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 I wish I had a beautiful quote or something to answer that question with, but it, that question just stumps me. Um, <laughs> but I get I guess if I really really thought about it, I have to say the experience because. Um, that's, that's why I, I got into it, I guess. Well, thank you so much. It's been so fantastic to talk to you. I really appreciate you uh, making the time for me. So thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Messy Truth. You can find more information about today's guests in the show notes. Theme music is changed by Judd Greenstein from the album Awake and design is by Ruby White. You can follow updates on the podcast on my Instagram at Jem Fletcher or subscribe to my newsletter at gemfletcher.com. Feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, 
you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.